Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Ah, how's everybody doing this morning? All right, all right. You're going to get up here and preach now. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to, to have you here this morning and uh, so glad you joined us in worship. Let me give you a little tip. If you don't like worship, you may not like heaven too much. And I think I'm supposed to re- release the, the, college, I mean the, the student ministry, go back to your guys' classroom. Uh, so worship is really, really important. And, uh, and I, I just want to thank these guys. These, these guys all go to another church. And this, this is not their home church, but they come here to help us out. And uh, they've told me that, hey, we'll, we'll be here as long as you need us until we can find our, our in-house worship leader and in-house band. These guys are, are helping us out. So I really appreciate their hearts to worship. And, uh, you know, this is probably consistently the closest target to worship that we've been at. Many of you know when we first started, we were using an iPad and iPod, uh, iPod, right iPod, iPhone, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, you know. Uh, but anyway, and, and seriously, uh, a few months back, I thought, you know what, uh, we were having such struggle with getting worship leaders here and people that were really engaging. I, I was really considering going back to an iPod or maybe YouTube videos. And, uh, but I really wanted us to have this live worship experience. And so I appreciate these guys helping us out till we can find our in-house guys. So thank you. I love their hearts for worship, and uh, they're just wonderful people, and uh, they, they're, uh, they're really uh, just wonderful people. You know, what can I say? I love them. I love them. And I love you, too. Let's recite our mission statement at Life Fellowship. It is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. It, that's our target, right? That we come into this personal, intimate relationship with Him, that we really have this connection with Him. So let me ask you, are you developing a deeper, more intimate relationship with Him? Yes. Are you growing in that? Yes. yes? Amen. All right. That's exciting. Uh, we've changed our vision a little bit. We used to say that uh, our mission, or our, our goal, our vision was to make disciples. But we've tweaked this a little bit, all right? So I want you to be aware when, when we recite this, we've changed it to not just make, but to become yes. committed followers, disciples of Christ, who will impact the world with the love of Christ. Because Jesus didn't call us just to get saved. Okay, I'm saved now, I'm done here. He's called us to go and make disciples, to impact the world. So let's recite our, our vision. It is to become disciples who will impact the world with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? We have a great opportunity every day to go out and live it. All right, you guys are fired up, man. I'm fired up too. Okay, um, a, a few months back, probably about a year ago, I was talking with a pastor friend of mine. And he was telling me about uh, a couple of teachings that Pastor Robert Morris did. And it really kind of piqued my interest. And, and as I was praying about this series, which we're in now, it's God First or Keeping God First. You know that we began the, the beginning of the year, I, I taught on fasting. 
how we fast, why we fast. And, and many of you uh, participated in that extended period of fasting, and I want to thank you for that because we are really seeking the Lord about 2019 and what he wants us to do, what we need to do. You know, there, there are times when we, we can do a lot of good things, but is that really in accordance with what the Lord is wanting us to do? So we've been praying about this. So I talked about fasting. Then I, I talked about the giving. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about giving at, at Life Fellowship, and, and it's not, uh, you know, people would think, oh, they're talking about money all the time. We're not talking about that necessarily. We're talking about giving of our time. And so we, we come to church on Sunday morning as part of our giving back to the Lord. The first day of the week, we're saying, hey, we're, we're returning some of our time back to the Lord. We're honoring Him by giving Him the first part of our week. So we give of our time. We give of our talents God has given us talents. We don't just use those in the workplace, but we also use them to encourage and build up and strengthen the body of Christ. And then we give of our treasure. We know that the first 10% of our increase belongs to the Lord. Not the last, but the first of what he gives us. So again, we're talking about honoring God in all that we do. And this morning I want to talk about my role. And when I was talking with Pastor Dean a, a, a few months back, he was telling me about these two these two messages, and I thought, you know, this is really good. And this is a first for me. I, I have never bought a sermon online, and I, frankly, I don't listen to a lot of preachers on, on TV or, or on the radio. I, I just don't. I, I don't know why. I mean, I know there's good teachings out there, but I, I just always want to give what Lord the Lord wants us to have. I mean, there are a lot of pastors and churches that buy their sermons online. I was at a church one time where the pastor bought every sermon online. He would buy series, and, and there's some good teachings out there, and, and he would give me uh, a teaching about every six weeks, and he'd say, hey, Mark, I'd like for you to teach this one. And I, I would teach it, and, and it, you know, it was okay. I would take the, the, the lesson, and, and I would kind of tweak it to my wording. But you know what? There wasn't a lot of passion there, because I felt like I was just regurgitating something that was given to somebody else for another time for another church. And I, I felt like when I was doing that, that I was just basically giving a presentation. My heart really wasn't in it. And so uh, I've never bought a sermon online, and this will be the first time really that I've kind of taught somebody else's uh, teaching. But I thought it was really, really a good teaching. And so I want you to know that whenever, uh, whenever you come here on Sunday mornings, I'm praying, man. I'm saying, God, what do you want? What do you want me to deliver this Sunday? I don't want to regurgitate something else. I want something fresh. And I told the Lord when we first, when he called us to start Life Fellowship, I said, I, I don't want to do that. And you go to some of these church planning org organizations, they say, okay, when you start a church, don't write your own sermons. There's sermons online, go out and buy those and just focus on building the church. But I didn't want to do that. I thought, if, if we can't get something fresh every week, well, you know, what's the point? What are we doing here? So anyway, uh, all that to say, I'm doing something a little different this week. I, I listened to those two messages from Pastor Robert, and I thought they were really good. And so I, I've kind of extracted some of that from, from those two messages. But today I want to talk about what's my role? What is my role? And then next week I'm going to talk about what's your role? And there are, there are two, two primary ways that that ministry is thought of, the traditional way that the pastors and the staff, they do all the ministry. And then there's the biblical uh, view that you guys do the ministry. And so we're all called, we're all called to be in full-time ministry. Now, I'm in vocational ministry, meaning that this is my job, I get paid, but uh, we're all called to be in full-time ministry. Think about one person doing all the ministry, 
versus all of us doing the ministry. When we go to a restaurant or something like that, and and I'm praying with a a waiter or waitress or ministering to somebody, I'm not going there as a pastor. I'm going there just as a saint of God, just like you are. You know, and, and so our life should be reflective of sharing the hope and the love of Christ with others. You have gifts. And I, I find in my own life, and I think most people find in their life, that they're most satisfied when they're using their gifts that God has given to them. So again, we're talking about giving of our time, our talents, our gifts, and our treasure. And, and really, what we're talking about is giving Him our life. We're talking about giving Him our heart. And say, God, I, I want to give you everything. And when we yield and, and just let him work through our lives, man, it's so much better than when we try to navigate on our own. Uh, you have a sphere of influ- influence that nobody else in the entire world has. You have giftings that are different than the person behind you or in front of you. And so God uses all of us uniquely and individually to, to impact the world around us. You have a unique story. To share with someone. You know, people need to hear your story. Uh, people don't necessarily, that aren't saved, they don't want to hear 55 scriptures and be, be beat up with a 10-pound Bible. But you can tell them your story and what God, what has God done in your life? You have a story to tell. You have something to share. And you have the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you into all truth. Jesus said, I go that the Holy Spirit may come and lead you and guide you into all truth. I will tell you of things to come. And so the Lord will begin to use us and work through our lives. Imagine that one person in a year impacts 10 people, 10 families. Okay? Imagine that 100 people uh, lead 10 people to the Lord or impact 10 families. That's 1,000 that's that's people. So we're not talking about addition. We're talking about multiplication as we begin to multiply this, this, the heart of God and reach out to people. We have a tremendous impact. And I'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But my primary role is to lead and feed. That's my primary role. And then what I get to do in addition to that is when, when I go to the grocery store or to the car dealership or wherever, then I get to be a minister just like you are. There's no difference. So my my first point this morning is my role is to train and equip you to minister. Be effective in ministry. Many churches are inward focused. You know, their whole focus is just inward. And here at Life Fellowship, we're strategic and deliberate in training and equipping you to be outwardly focused. Yes, we we come to church and we gather together and and we fellowship and we get fed and we get encouraged and we get strengthened and we get trained up and as we serve, we grow and, and we're using our gifts. But also, there's a whole world out there that needs to know Jesus. And so we begin in Kingdom Kids training up our children to understand the basic foundational principles that one, that God loves them and that God wants to have a relationship with them as well. And God wants to use them. You know, they have little peers too. They have people that they can minister to. And, and, and how can they go out and be effective if they're not trained and equipped? And so we're pouring into our children. We're pouring into our students. Listen, our students need some guidance and leading in this crazy, crazy world they live in. They, they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They need the Word of God that they can stand on when they're going through challenges. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
I can do this. I can walk this out. I can live the victorious life regardless of the other kids around me that are having sex and doing drugs and doing all kinds of crazy things. I don't have to go there because I can rise above. I can live this victorious life that Christ came to give. Our college and career, I'm so proud of those guys. They are so hungry for God. They are not your typical millennials. They are different. They're going out and making a difference. Because they're being trained and equipped, and Pastor Christine is pouring into them adult ministry. Everyone, the goal is that we get trained and equipped, that we build a personal relationship with Jesus, and that we're trained and equipped, that we can go out and live it. And then also the results are that we become mature uh, believers and followers of Christ, that we can go out and change the world, that we can impact the people around us, that it changes us. It begins with us, and then it just flows out of us. And we have, many of you know, we have the sunrise service at the Chemo Boardwalk on April 21st. This is a highly unchurched area. And so we'll have like 650 people down there for the sunrise service. Many of those will probably only go to church once or twice a year. So we have a great opportunity to be outwardly focused and pour into these lives and give them the word of God and encourage them with the hope of Christ. And, and so that's one of our, our great outreaches. It will be attended by a lot of unsaved people. And we don't want to miss the opportunity. And so as we serve, as we go down there and serve coffee and muffins and greet people as they're coming in, as we begin to worship and the word is brought forth and we have communion and we do all these things, it, it can draw people into this relationship because many people that are there may be caught up in religion. Oh, yeah, you know, I know about this whole church thing. There's all these do's and don'ts and all this religious stuff. Man, that's just a bunch of stuff that can keep people from the, the, the point of this of a relationship. Relationship. But it requires planning. It requires volunteers, resources. And so there'll be hundreds of man hours that will go into planning that event and then executing that event. Um, before we go there, we're going to go to Exodus 18, but it's, a, it's an account of Jethro, who is Moses' father in law, coming to visit Moses. And he's heard about all the awesome things that the Lord has done for Moses and the Israelites being delivered from Egypt and and uh, Mo, uh, Jethro comes to visit Moses, and he brings his wife and his two sons. So I'll, I'll talk more about that in a minute. But, uh, but you, you need to stay with me this morning because I'm going to kind of jump around, all right? Are, are you alert? Are you awake? Are you going to stay with me? Okay. So let's go to Exodus 18, chapter 30, uh, I mean, verses thir 13 through 27. Uh, so Jethro was there. And uh, he's kind of watching Moses in action, right? So the next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. And this is a typical pastor's hour, uh, day. You know, he works from morning till evening. Your day is never done. So pray for us that we get some rest. Um, verse 14, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? I mean, you know, so sometimes it's good to, to have some perspective from somebody else because Jethro's like, what are you doing? What are you trying to accomplish here? And uh, it's believed, scholars believe, that there were probably 1.6 to 3 million people that Moses was leading. So just let's say there's 2 million people. 
that this one man is trying to lead. Can you imagine all the issues, all the problems that he's trying to deal with? It's an impossible task for one man. Let's read on in verse 14. Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? I, I kind of got this visual in my mind. Oh, oh, look, Tommy's going up. I wonder what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, Moses is going to get him. Yeah, he's going to get... Oh, no, no. No, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think there's going to be grace in this situation. Because you know what? You can, I could just imagine all the gossip, all the chatter, all the, you know, all the stuff going on. Because these people are just kind of standing around. Oh, okay, what's going to happen next? Is there going to be fire from heaven going to strike him or what? You know, and so Moses has all these people coming to him. So Moses replied back to Jethro, because the people come to me and get a ruling from God. Let me read the verse before. Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? So Moses replies, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. Okay, two million people. (laughs) You know how many quarrels there are in your family with three or four people? Can you imagine two million people? I don't know how many families that would be, but oh my gosh, the biggest, he, he had the biggest megachurch right, right there off the bat. So Moses replied, because the people came, uh, come to me to get a ruling from God, and uh, uh, he goes on to say in verse 16, I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. So when we come on on Sunday morning, that's part of what we're doing. We're learning about the Word of God. We're getting His decrees. We're getting instruction on how to live this victorious life, how to navigate through the challenges of life. You won't find, uh, you know, don't go to the porn site on the Internet. That's not in the Bible. But you find things like, hey, live a holy and righteous life. You know, commit your life to God. Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. Uh, The key to your life is love God. Come on, you know it. Obey God. Commit firmly to God. I mean, if we would just do those things, we would, you know, walk in the fullness of what God has called us to. So my first point this morning is my role is to train and equip you to minister. My second point is my role is to seek the Lord and his direction for individual lives as well as for the church. There are many times, and you don't know this, but I'm praying for you specifically. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your marriage. I'm praying for your life. I'm praying for you. That God will wake me up sometimes and I'll just, I'll just begin to pray. And, and that's my role is to seek him. To know how to minister to you. To, to know how to help you. To speak to you in love. To bring correction when there needs to be correction. Why? Because I love you. Hebrews, I think it's thirteen seventeen says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do. it's good that you obey them. For they look out for your soul and they will be held accountable to God. So I take that scripture very seriously. <laughs> but I love you. And so I want, I want you to do well. I want you to have this personal, intimate connection and relationship with the Lord. I want your marriage to be strong. I want you to fulfill the mission and the vision and the calling that God has on your life. And so I need to spend time with the Lord. My, my role is to encourage and teach and train and equip you to discover God's desires for you and your family. Then it's to challenge you and help you to go out and live this thing out, to walk it out on a daily basis so you can help others discover their relationship with Jesus. 
Because people are looking for role models. They're looking for someone that can lead them to the truth. And like I said earlier, you have a sphere of influence that nobody else in the entire world has because of your personality, because of your relationship, because of the experiences that you've had with those people that you work with or whatever that looks like. And God wants to use us to to impact the world and and be the light of Christ, show the love of Christ that people can come into this relationship and live the abundant life that Jesus has for them. And sometimes they need to see somebody walk this thing out (laughs) that lives what they say they believe. So every service, every event, everything that we offer here at Life Fellowship is for you, to help you and, and help your family. And every week, there are people that come not only to this church, but other churches, and they hear instructions from the Lord. They hear how to discover God's purpose, and they hear about uh, God's plan for their life. Yet some people choose to reject that and walk away. Walk away from His wonderful plan and desires for their life, for their family. And I'm sure that it breaks the heart of God. I know it breaks my heart when, when I see people that are just like, okay, God, I'll yield part of my life, but I'm not going to give it all. I'm going to continue with this pet lifestyle or this pet sin or, or, you know, or just whatever that looks like and not receive the fullness of what God has for them. So uh, Moses, well, Jethro goes on to continue to talk with Moses, the son-in-law, and he says, this is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me, Jethro says, and let me give you a word of advice. And may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. He's saying continue to be the, the people's representatives, bringing their disputes to the Lord. Why? For wisdom. God, how do I deal with this? What should I do in this situation? You know, I need your counsel and wisdom. So my, my, third, my third point really is that my role is to not only uh, seek the Lord and, and pray for you and, and uh, equip you to minister, but also to train up more leaders. Exodus 18.20, teach them. God's decrees and give them his instructions, show them how to conduct their lives. So when we come here, we're, we're, learning, the, we're learning the scripture, but how can we uh, navigate through the challenges of life? How can we live this victorious life that Christ came to give us? How can we walk this thing out? And I know that Pastor Christine has been pouring into the student ministry and, and the college and career, teaching them some basic foundational things like how to, how to do a budget how to manage their their resources, how to manage their money, how to navigate through the challenges of life, how to grow up, how to become mature. How do you go from a teenager to a vibrant, healthy, uh, godly adult and and live the life that Christ came to give you? Because they're in this transition, transitional phase. And uh, so, you know, those are the things that we do, starting with our children, teaching them on their level. And uh, Jason talked about it. We're starting the Conquer series today, teaching men how to live a sexually pure life. And I know this is uncomfortable because uh, churches don't talk about it, but statistically, seven out of ten men that you know are struggling with pornography. 
You may not be, but there are other men all around you. You may not know it, but statistically, 70 to 80% of men struggle with pornography. And, and I read some statistics the other day that said that divorces, when they talk to people that are getting divorced, 68% of those, there's pornography involved in that. This is an insidious thing that the enemy is attacking the church. There's an epidemic in our country. There is an epidemic in our churches when you have 50% of evangelical pastors looking at pornography on a regular basis. Is it any wonder that this thing has driven underground and churches aren't talking about it? If you've got pastors that are, that are you know, looking at pornography all the time, you think they're going to preach about it? You think they're going to talk about it? You think they're going to do anything about it? But the church is not equipped to handle this because nobody wants to touch the subject. In the meantime, it is destroying lives. It's destroying families. And it's not just men that it's impacting now, women as well. And so we're offering this class. It starts tonight. Men, you need to be here from 5 to 7. It's for five weeks, and then we'll take a, a little break, and then we'll do another five weeks. And as Jason was saying, there were six of us that went through that. And it's a safe environment where you can share your heart because there are men that are, are living this lifestyle and trapped in this by shame and guilt. And, and man, listen, God wants you to be free. And we're providing something for men that, you know, some men won't come. Some men won't come. Some men are coming. But, but we want to see people get free in every area of their life. Jesus didn't come that we would remain bound up. So this is just one area that we're providing resources to help people. It's not because we don't have other things that we could do, but our heart is to invest in people's lives. And so that's part of our role here is that we pour the truth and the word of God into people so that they can live this victorious life, so that they can have healthy, strong marriages. That's our heart. Listen, when you get it, you can live it. When you get it, you can live it. You can begin to let God reach into those places in your life. Maybe, it, maybe it's not pornography. Maybe it's dealing with rejection. Maybe you've been rejected all your life or whatever that stuff is that the enemy will use to keep you bound up. And Jesus said, I've come to set you free, man. Exodus 18.20, teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. There's a key variable here. Will they choose to follow his decrees and instructions? I bring this home to us. Will you choose to follow his decrees and his instructions, knowing that he is for you? That God has something good for you. But it requires us to, to, to live according to his purpose and plan, not as a religious duty, but stemming from this relationship with him, knowing that he cares for us and that he wants what's best for us. So Moses is standing before God for the people to give them godly instruction, wisdom, and counsel from the Lord. Verse 21, But select from all the people some capable, honest, Men who fear God and hate bribes, appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,150 and 10. Verse 22. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes 
but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters for themselves. They will help you carry the, the load, making the task easier for you. So not only are we attempting to teach you the word of God, and, and you know, it's like this rug here. God says stay within these boundaries, and it's good. When you begin to step out, then it's not good. But God gives us boundaries that are helpful for us to live this, this vibrant, healthy life. And so we're training leaders in every segment of Life Fellowship. We're looking at our children. Who are the ones that God is training up? And, and preparing for leadership. We're looking at our students, college and career. You know that uh, Yaman and Salema now are, they were in the student ministry and now they're leading the, uh, the, they were in the student ministry and then college and career and now they're leading our youth. And so we've trained them up in-house and they know the heart, the vision, the, the culture here of what God is trying to do. And they're now investing and they're being trained up and they're investing in the children, the students. And so we should be investing in people that are capable and willing to invest in others. And people that can, can uh, train and equip others to do the same things. So think about this. If the pastor is the only one that can marry, bury, counsel, do all the hospital visitations, call sermon.net because we're having problems with our live stream, call uh, Church Plant Media. Okay, I don't have to call them today. Good. Calling Church Plant Media because there's a problem with the website and, you know, all of these kinds of things. That becomes a distraction to keep me from doing the things that I need to do. There are other people that can do those things, but sometimes there's just nobody there to do them. And so we're training up people. There are people that are taking on some of these roles. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. But uh, so we're working together. 90% of churches are less than 200 people because one pastor can only handle ministry to about 150 people. And, and so, you know, we need more trained and equipped people to handle these things and so we can do more. So there are a lot of aspects of ministry that are happening here at Life Fellowship that we're doing that a lot of larger churches don't do because we're intent on reaching the world. So we're doing Facebook Live, we're doing live streaming, we're doing archiving. Today we started doing YouTube Live, I think. So, you know, John is really helping us with that. So we're trying to get the word out because people need this message. They, they need the hope of Christ and so there are, there's an implementation of strategic initiatives developed to effectively train and equip you. We have classes that we want to teach to train and equip you so that you're prepared, that you can go out and what? Train and equip other people who can then what? Go out and train and equip other people who can come into this personal relationship with Christ. But it begins right here in our heart. As God transforms us, as we get his passion for people, the greatest thing that, that the Lord loves are people. And when we get his heart and we get his passion, then we're, our lives are changed because we're getting this understanding of the Lord and, and we're able to go and live this thing out. There, Pastor Christine and Karen have written three curriculums for the children's ministry and there's two more that they're working on. We have the Starting Life 101 where we're going through the entire 66 books of the Bible in, in a number of weeks teaching people the common thread is Jesus through all that. There are people that need to be taught that class. There are other curriculums that we need to write. 
And, and, you know, four or five people can't do it all. We need to, to have more people involved in helping in these kinds of things. And many of you are stepping up to the plate, so I appreciate that. Exodus 18.23, if you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all of these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father's advice and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. So he looked for and he found capable men that reflected the heart of the Lord and understood their role and were willing to follow instructions and do what God asked them to do. So he put them in charge of groups of 1,150 and 10. These men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. So again, Moses looked for and identified people that he could trust, that had his heart, that had the heart of the Lord, that could handle issues in a godly, proper, and loving manner. And if you want to know what some of the qualifications to lead in the church are, you can go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and you can go to Titus chapter 1, really all of Titus, and it tells you the qualifications to be a leader in the church. So let's go to Exodus 18.27. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law, who returned to his own land. You notice it doesn't say that his wife and son stayed. Okay, actually, sorry, I actually, I got ahead of myself there. Um, he, did, he did leave his, because we, we read here in 18 where um, uh, Jethro brought his wife and, uh, and two sons, so I'm sorry about that. I got a little ahead of myself here. So soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law who returned to his own land. So again, my points this morning are my role is to train and equip you to minister. My role is to seek the Lord uh, for individuals and for direction for the church. And my role is to train up leaders. So let's go to Numbers 11. And uh, the people begin to complain about the food and they were, uh, you know, the things that they missed in Egypt. And they were just complaining and, and uh, forgetting the burdens that they were under in being slaves in Egypt. So Numbers 11 says, uh, this is Moses. He said, I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. <laughs> Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Being in ministry is not easy. And I can only imagine what trying to lead two million people would have been like. Then the Lord said to Moses, gather before me 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I will come down and talk with you there. Talk to you there. So Moses is still responsible for leading the people, but God is saying, okay, listen, you need to delegate some of this. So verse 17, I will come down and talk to you there. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you, and I will put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. And I can tell you, because I talk to pastors, many pastors are, are just overwhelmed. And most pastors only spend four hours a week preparing for their Sunday morning service. 
Why? Because they have all this other stuff that they've got to do that has to get done, and they're not able to spend the time with the Lord that they need to. One out of every three pastors will leave the ministry. And as I talked about, a lot of pastors just buy, you know, they just buy sermons online and just regurgitate something that's already, that somebody else has written. But at Life Fellowship, leaders must demonstrate godly character. That's part of of what God's called us to do. Leaders have responsibility and are given room to make mistakes and to grow because uh, mistakes can be valuable. We don't want to keep making the same mistakes, but those are great opportunities for us to grow. And we're all a work in progress. God is working in all of our lives, and Moses included, because Moses made some mistakes as well. But my first responsibility is to my wife. It's to my family. Our first ministry begins at home. And I'm not talking about having a perfect family and a perfect life because I I don't know anybody that does. But our first ministry begins at home because if it's not happening there, is it really going to happen out here? So... In Exodus 18, Jethro brings Moses' wife and two sons back to him. You know, so like for 14 chapters, I'm not sure what the time span there was, Moses was separated from his wife and children because he was in Egypt doing ministry. And his wife and son miss all the miracles and and miss seeing all those things that the Lord has done. Why? Uh, Because I think Moses... And Zipporah had a fight. Let, uh, let's, let's read on. Let's back up here. In, in, in Exodus chapter 3, the Lord calls Moses to Egypt to go and deliver his people and lead them to the promised land. But let's look at Exodus chapter 4, 420. So Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey and headed back to the land of Egypt. In his hand, he carried the staff of God. So what happened here is back in Exodus chapter 3, the Lord tells Moses, go and set my people free. And in, in chapter 4, he, he grabs his wife and his two kids, and they head off to go to Egypt. Well, now we don't hear about them again until chapter 18 when Jethro says, hey, man, these teenagers are, are about to eat me out of house and home. Will you take these boys and your wife? You know, they're your responsibility. That's in chapter 18. So why weren't they with Moses to see all these wonderful things that the Lord had done? Um, so, you know, Moses, uh, God talks to Moses in chapter 3, and he says, go, go to Egypt and tell my people, uh, tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and, and we know all about all that. Uh, but, but before we go there, back in Genesis, God has promised Abraham he will be the father of many nations, having many descendants. And he makes a covenant with Abe. He says, hey, this is what you must do. And it's a sign of the covenant that all male children must be circumcised. Now stay with me because there's a point here, all right? Uh, the Lord expects those in leadership to obey all of his commands, not just pick and choose some, but all. So let me go back to Genesis 17, 9 through 14. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of this covenant You and all your descendants have this, what, continual responsibility. This isn't just for one generation or two generations. This is a continual responsibility. So Moses should have known about this covenant. 
He should have known this covenant that God had made with Abraham that said would continually uh, be, uh, be honored. Uh, verse 10 says, This is the covenant that you and your descendants can keep. Must keep. This is the covenant that you and your descendants from here on down must keep. Every male among you must be circumcised. Verse 11, you must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. For generation to, from generation to generation, every male must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. Moses should have known this, right? He should have known this. Uh, this applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. And if that's not clear, let's look at verse 13. All must be circumcised. He's talking about males. All males must be circumcised. Your body will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Verse 14. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. So God is taking this very seriously, and he's saying, hey, this is a sign of the covenant that, we, that I have made, and so every male needs to be circumcised as a requirement to demonstrate being a part of what? This covenant family. So back to Exodus chapter 4. God has just called Moses to go and deliver the people in Exodus 3. And we see here in Exodus 4, 24 through 26. On the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. <laughs> this is Moses, who he had called to go and deliver his people out of Egypt. This is... Um, uh, in the Bible was an Old Testament type of Christ. This is Moses who wrote the first five books of the Bible, and God is about to kill him. What is up with that? I thought he just called him to go and deliver the people out of Egypt. And in the next chapter, God is about to kill him. Well, let's look at verse 25, Exodus 4:25. But Moses' wife Zipporah took a flint knife and circumcised her son. She touched his feet with the foreskin and said, now you, have, now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. Verse 26, when she said a bridegroom, bridegroom of blood, she was referring to the circumcision. After that, the Lord left him alone. Wait a minute, what's going on here? Moses didn't circumcise his son. And he's going to be going and delivering the people out of Egypt and telling them what they're supposed to do, but yet he's not doing it? That doesn't fly. In God's kingdom. What does is, what is Jesus call that? He called the religious leaders hypocrites, actors. And so it doesn't fly when we say, okay, do what I say, not what I do. Leaders have to go and live this thing out. And God was about to kill him because he wasn't following what he needed to do. Moses had not circumcised his own son. We don't know why Zipporah did. You know, there's speculation that maybe... Moses was sick, or, you know, I don't know. I, we, don't, we don't really know why Zipporah was the one to circumcise her son, but Moses should have known that that needed to be done. And God did not let and did not want Moses teaching something to the Israelites. He didn't walk out himself. So let's go back to the covenant in Genesis 17, 14. Any male 
who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. So that's something that I think that was a lesson for Moses. I think he, well, we know that he, he still disobeyed God, didn't get to see the promised land. We know that God told Moses to speak, to strike the rock, and water would come from the rock. And then another time he tells him to speak to the rock, and Moses is hitting on the rock and saying, must we bring forth water from this rock for you? Wait a minute, who's bringing forth water from the rock, Moses and Aaron, or is this God? So I think there was a little bit of pride there. Plus, he disobeyed. God said, speak to the rock. Moses struck the rock. And because of that, he did not get to go into the promised land. He was able, the Lord let him see the promised land, but he was not able to cross over into the promised land. Listen, God, when God speak to us, speaks to us, we need to follow his commands. We need to do what he says to do. If he says, speak to the rock, speak to the rock. Don't hit it with a stick. <laughs> All right, so leaders are not perfect, but they must demonstrate integrity, yeah. honesty, yeah. obedience to the Lord, yeah. demonstrate a right heart. They must lead their family well. Yeah. The Word says if you can't lead your family well, you have no business leading people in the church. They must be able to go out and live it, live this thing out. Let's skip down to verse 29. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt, Call the elders together. So we know in, in Exodus 4 that Zipporah and, her, and uh, Moses' sons did not go. Because it says here, then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt. And so in chapters 4 through 18, Moses' family missed seeing the miracles of God. They missed the opportunity for Moses to train them up to be leaders. They should have been leaders. They should have been two of the spies that went over into the promised land and said, hey, we can take this thing. Yeah, there's giants over there, but our God is bigger than these giants. They should have been a part of that. And, and so Moses missed the opportunity to train his family well. Leaders should be examples to others. So let me ask you, are you leading your family well? Are you spending time and investing in your family? To be, to, to be a leader at Life Fellowship requires more than just attending church. It's going to require. And you need to be equipped. You need to be trained. Many of you are called to be leaders in this church. Are you willing? Because let me tell you, being a leader means being held to expectations that others don't hold themselves to, that are unreasonable that are not practical, you have a target on your back. <laughs> but you know what? When God calls you to do this, he gives you the grace. He will equip you to do all that he's called you to do. So my three points this morning are my role, and that's really what I want to talk about this morning. I kind of went into some different areas, but my role is to train and equip you to go out and minister effectively because, again, there are people in your life that God has placed there that need Jesus. My role is to seek the Lord and his direction for you and for the church. My role is to train up leaders. As we yield and grow spiritually, the Lord works powerfully through our lives. He empowers us to go and do the things that he's called us to do. And... 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, 
It's living by God's power. I want to see us living by God's power. I want to see every marriage here strong and healthy and vibrant. I want to see every man living in purity. I want to see every life touched by God and having the passion of God and the desire to follow Him and do what He asks. Thank you for tuning into our broadcast. For more information, be sure to find us at our website at www.lifefellowship.me or call us at 832-864-2800. Have a great week and remember to live it. God bless you.